Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Oh, hey, everybody. Oh, hey. Welcome back to the pod. So nice to see you here. For those of you who might be new because you've never heard of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but you have heard a lot about Special Agents Fox Mulder and Dana Scully, uh, just want to let you know that sometimes we have news and info and whatever at the top here uh, that has you know come up since we taped the episode or that we just want to make sure you know about. That's a sometimes thing. What's an always thing? The results of last episode's Sexual Tension Awards. Bound chicka bound bound. I <laughs> <laughs> I'm usually here to do things like that. Um, that was really great, Kristen. And you know, deploy as necessary. <laughs> uh, without further ado, I want to let you know that the Sexual Tension Awards for season one, episode one, pilot have created a really pleasant staircase. Uh, in that there's a nice, you know jump from each tier you know each set of noms mm-hmm. in every slot mm-hmm. um you know is a little bit and then there's more and then there's more and then there's more as we go so it. it's like the uh, food in... pyramid of sexual tension exactly so we had 695 votes thank you for voting in fourth place <laughs> with nine percent of the vote Kristen's fave question mark the class of 89 and the woods definitely my fave my pick yeah <laughs> Uh, in third place with 11% of the vote. So we're scooting up the staircase. Uh, maybe my favorite, it's Smoking Man and Filing. Good luck to Smoking Man and Filing in the future. Maybe if we see more little containers I from mean, the container honestly, store. what does this guy have to do? That was the sexiest filing system I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah. You think he's the only guy going in there? Yes, I do. Probably. <laughs> it's like his whole deal. Um, okay, in second place... With a respectable 28% of the vote, it's Scully and her glasses. Mm. Really, I feel like the correct setup for this would have been Scully, her glasses, and us. Yeah, a lot you of know, folks said Probably that, a little mm-hmm. crank up the tension. Yes, if a lot of folks said if we were included in this, uh, we may have taken it. I disagree. Yeah. I don't think yeah. we would have. <laughs> uh, and in first place with 52% of the vote, who could have seen it coming? Uh, the Mothership. Scully and Mulder. <laughs> the mothership. Oh my God. It's truly the mother of all ship names and the mother of all ships. The mothership. Just incredible stuff. Um, couple of a uh, couple of folks suggested that perhaps we shouldn't nominate Scully and Mulder in every sexual tension awards poll because things could get boring, to which I say, I am not willing to agree to those terms. I am not bored. Should I get <laughs> bored? I will let you know. Yeah, yeah. We're we're only, you know, this is only episode two. Truly, I cannot imagine a more exciting uh, situation than getting to the end of season one and having to vote between Scully and Mulder 20-something times to yeah, narrow it down. Yeah, in various scenarios. The, yeah, yeah. Um, I would 
Okay, we're going to get into the episode, keep it short up here, but I did want to say that if you are a regular listener and you're like, what? They're already back with episode two. It's only been seven days. Well, yeah, um, we are getting closer to a weekly schedule here in the feed now because Jenny has been relieved of the burden of writing an original song for every episode. Uh, God bless. (laughs) So we will be uh, on a pretty much three week on, one week off schedule. So you'll get three episodes and then we'll have a week off, three episodes a week off, et cetera, et cetera. Those weeks off, we will have an episode and it will be in our Patreon feed covering Buffy season eight. We are just a couple of weeks away from uh, digging into the fourth segment of season eight of Buffy the Vampire Slayer over on Patreon. So if you want us every week, you actually can have us every week. Patreon.com slash BufferingCast. Otherwise, uh, enjoy the episode. We'll be back here next week with Squeeze with special guest (laughs) Rishi K. Shearway. Hell. Oh my God! Yes, Jenny. best friend of the pod. Really got in first. Got in first. Beat everybody else. He wins. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, let's uh jump down deep throat. Uh, oh, gross! Jump into deep throat. Dive into Slide deep throat. Down deep throat. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> You saw exactly what I saw in the sky tonight. What do you think they were? Just because I can't explain it doesn't mean I'm going to believe they were UFOs. Unidentified flying objects. I think that fits the description pretty well. Tell me I'm crazy. Mulder, you're crazy. To the X Files. That's the E X Files, a buffering rewatch adventure where we are watching and discussing every episode of the X Files one by one, spoiler free. I am Jenny Owen Young's ex wife of Kristen Russo, and I grew up watching the X Files. And I'm Kristen Russo, ex wife of Jenny Owen Young's, and I have only ever seen two episodes of the X Files. Today we're talking about season one, <laughs> episode two, Deep Throat. Deep Throat was written by Chris Carter, directed by Daniel Sackheim, and originally aired on September 17th, 1993. This is the one, according to IMDb, where Mulder and Scully investigate the mysterious case of a military test pilot who disappeared after experiencing strange psychotic behavior. Producer LaToya Ferguson gives this episode a scary rating (laughs) of just one out of five Buddha Hosses, which I feel like is fair. (laughs) It's not a scary episode. It's more, you know. It's more the government is concealing secrets. God damn it. That's more the the vibe. Yeah, and that's disturbing, Mm -hmm. but it's not like scary. Also, just so you know, LaToya did make a note. We will never go below the rating of one for scary because the opening credits are the baseline one. Baseline one. As long as the opening credits exist, we will always hit at a one and go up from there. (laughs) I'm so 
pleased to hear that. Uh, <laughs> Kristen, you were texting me some big reactions when you saw the credits for the first time on your watch. I'm going to tell you what, I don't think I've had a more dramatic response to opening credits ever in my whole life, Jenny. Uh, I had never seen them apparently like ever because I couldn't I like couldn't believe it and then I couldn't believe it and then I couldn't believe like every cut I just couldn't <laughs> believe it so once we get there I will read you the list that I wrote uh, when I watched uh, yeah. it in more detail this time I too made my own beat sheet for the credits <laughs> just so we could really get get way into it I'm curious because it didn't feel to me like you found these credits uh scary <laughs> I did not. I, I did not. I wonder. We should get a. We should get a breakdown from Latoya. How much of uh, the spookiness of the credits is coming to her from the theme music, and how much is from the actual like visual visual imagery and text? <laughs> I didn't. I was. I mean, like, I have respect for the fact that this is 1993. Also, it is like clearly like even if this show wasn't an iconic show, like clearly these credits would have been iconic. Like they are incredible, oh, yeah. but they did not make me feel afraid uh, in any mm -hmm, way. Mm -hmm. And I and okay. I don't the theme song is, you know, theme song, creepy, spooky, definitely. So let's talk about the cold open really quick so we can actually get to the credits. Yes, yes. Uh, near an airbase in Idaho. Mm hmm. Ellen's Air Base, to be specific. Ellen's Air Base. Uh, what I have described in my notes as the military's SWAT team, mm -hmm. question mark, yeah. <laughs> is uh, about to bust into the house of a test pilot, Colonel Budahas. Uh, apparently, he commandeered a military vehicle. Uh, that's what they say. Footage not found. Yeah, it doesn't seem uh, like he would have even been capable of doing such a thing, but okay. Yeah. Uh, the team that's about to knock down his door with a little battering ram, which, wouldn't you just love to have one of these little battering rams? Honestly, yes. For emergencies. So efficient, so, like, compact. If you go back and rewatch this little team, um, there is a hilarious edit, which is that um, <laughs> the man who's counting down for the battering ram counts down five, three, two, one. Jenny, Blow. I didn't, I wasn't sure it was an edit. It's my biggest note from the scene. And my question was, if you're in the military, do you count five, three, two, one? Is that a trick? Is that like how no one ever oh, sees yeah. you coming? <laughs> yeah. If you're in the military and you count five, three, two, one, please let us know. But yes, I, I did notice uh, very, very much so. Uh, also, you know, I know we want to get to the credits, but uh, producer Latoya Ferguson sent us both uh, perhaps to a place we, we also would have gone, but to some of the, I don't know, lines between places here and places that actually exist, right? So Ellen's Air Base uh, taken from Nellis Air Force Base, uh, just a slight change of name there. Uh, also the Flying Saucer, which we'll get to later. I'm going to talk to Jenny about what that was based on, but the name of the place that that was based on is Little A apostrophe L apostrophe in. Little A Leon. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we can talk about that. But of course, I mean, I'm sure, Jenny, clearly you know more than me. I imagine there's going to be some UFO alien lore that is in popular culture that is in this show often. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for sure. For cool. sure. 
Um, we should probably say before we go any further that the SWAT team finds Budahas in his house, in his underwear, covered in what looks like uh, burns? Yeah. Burns all over his body? Yes. Or something? My note is, no, we hate great. the burns. We do not like the burns. They just look... Pay, great job with the makeup department here because it like hurt me to look at it. Uh, they look yeah, very look painful. Credits. <laughs> all right. We're going to go back and forth with what we've written down for each beat here. Uh, Jenny, I know you started with the logo. I didn't even write that. So we start with the logo. Uh, UFO in sky. <laughs> okay. Then I have a shadow of a hand over math. One of those balls from Spencer Gifts that has tentacles of light inside that gather at your hand if you touch the outer glass. Asterisk, asterisk. This is called a plasma ball, plasma globe, or plasma lamp. It's a clear glass container filled with a mixture of various noble gases with a high voltage electrode in the center of the container. When voltage is applied, a plasma is formed within the container. Plasma filaments extend from the inner electrode to the outer glass insulator giving the appearance of multiple constant beams of colored light. Plasma balls were popular as novelty items in the 1980s. Why is this in the credits? Yo, I know we're going beat by beat here, but I just want, like, for the listener at home, if you're a kid of uh, the Spencer Gift generation, what com- if you think of a plasma ball, what are the next two to three objects that come to your mind? Jenny, I'm going to give you a second. You think of a plasma ball. Now give me two to three other objects. I can tell you mine first or second. Lava lamp, black light poster. Wow. Okay. Mine are that thing that had all the little metal rods in it that you'd put your hand over and then push it Ooh, forward so that the yes. hand would go in it. And then the little thing with the five or six silver balls hanging from yep. this thing that click back and forth. So please email us at hello at bufferingcast.com and let us know what two objects come to mind when you think of the plasma ball. So sorry for this detour out of the credits. Definitely the most important thing we'll talk about today. All right, next, after the wiggly eyeball slash plasma ball, Jenny, I have a screaming wiggly man face. Bendy screaming head. Pretty close. Pretty close. Then I have the actual words paranormal activity over something like perhaps sea snails. Wow, I always see them as, I also have paranormal activity, of course, and then I ha- I always see these as cat's claws oh. extending from inside their soft little toes. Oh, that's that's cool. I like that. Uh, clearly, the next note I just have is Mulder's FBI badge. <laughs> Same. Government denies knowledge as a ghost walks down a hall alone at night. <laughs> Scully's FBI badge. I noted here something that someone sent me on Twitter, which is that Scully got a three-quarter angle for her FBI shot. She's doing a little Hell over yeah. over the shoulder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fashion first at the FBI. Uh-huh. Um, then I've got flashlights, Mulder, Scully, time lapse through a door. White silhouette, blue handprint, red fingy segment. <laughs> uh, and then my last notes are all together. An eyeball, the sky, the truth is out there. Wow. So How exciting. Now, we are people who have saw this credit sequence very, very different times in our lives. So, Jenny, this was- Yeah, let me assure mm-hmm. you. Let me assure you that when I was a child watching this show in real time, these credits slapped- 
they scared me. You know, I was in Latoya's camp. Let me tell you what. I was like, very scared. Yeah. I just, I don't think I've ever seen credits where they write out the things they want you to know are happening <laughs> in the show. That was what really, because, because like when paranormal activity happened, I was like, stop it, stop it right now. And then right after that, when it was like government denies knowledge. Listen, it was making, a different time. I want to be really clear, especially to those of you who are listening and who love this credit sequence. I love this credit sequence. It's also just very funny. Okay. There are things that are very amusing to me about the sequence yeah I- i'm so excited i get to see it like 200 more times Rewatching season one over the last month or so um with a new baby in the house uh the x-files theme song adaptation under my roof has been goo 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 ga 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 yeah just like that non-stop for a month wow that seems that, i've been waiting this whole time to tell you that seems to check out yeah jenny good job keeping that a secret i can't believe you <laughs> held that in well we should go to the bar i think you're gonna buy me a drink or what it's two o'clock in the afternoon Kristen. <laughs> didn't stop anybody else jenny mm, I, I'm sure you must be thrilled to see Scully is wearing glasses again. I'm kind of confused about when Scully needs glasses. Your thoughts? <laughs> I think I think she knows that her glasses make her look a certain way. And so she needs them whenever she needs to look that certain way. And I support that. Okay. <laughs> what do you think about how close Mulder like peekaboos up in her face? I called it the best friend Lil Head poke in in my notes. Yeah. Because he does, yeah. he kind of like just scooches in like, hey, pal. Like they've known each other for like three <laughs> days, but it's been a big but three days. But they're best friends. Um, hair check. The pilot was filmed a while before this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jillian got a haircut since the pilot. And uh, Mulder's hair is like so voluminous. He looks like, you know, in hair salons sometimes. Yes. How they have like sketches yes. of people with fresh haircuts, but they're like haircuts that are like 20 years old. Yeah. Uh Mulder looks like a guy in a sketch mm-hmm. hanging in the window of a of a hair salon. Yeah, and like that is amazing for him when he has the time to do his hair as he has had time to do for this scene. So please stay tuned for the end of the episode <laughs> when all I do is shout, oh my God, Mulder's bangs like 50 times. <laughs> <laughs> yes, his hair does experience a great flattening in this app. <laughs> also, Scully, um, lots of jackets as predicted, but she in, on, uh, in this scene is wearing a gigantic brooch on her jacket which to me I did not expect I didn't anticipate brooches from Dana Scully so we'll see if there's more yeah I did take note in the xfiles.fandom.com wiki for this episode apparently Chris Carter has commented on this episode's wardrobe choices saying Mm. like 
Scully's wardrobe is is in progress. We're still figuring it out. And Mulder too. He he strongly dislikes the polo shirt and the sleeveless sweatshirt <laughs> oh. that Mulder wears later in the episode, which seems wrong to me. I love the sleeveless sweatshirt. Are you kidding me? That was one of my top picks for best item worn on Mulder. Not that I have a list, yeah. but I just made up that I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is good. But there's so, some relax, Chris Carter. There's some conflicting uh Scully stuff here because I I also read some some notes about Chris Carter really wanting to establish Scully as somebody equal to Mulder in like her ability to fight and we see that and we'll talk about that or what have you. Countered a little bit here with this opening scene where she is like w- cr- wearing a skirt sort of in like this smoky air lighting like very it just has like this very like seductress air to it that was a little off to me so that that checks out it's it's episode two we're figuring out who our characters are mm-hmm. i mm-hmm. i will mm-hmm. allow it so in a move that will soon become very trademark fe- feeling uh Mulder whips out a file and is like hey scully check this out <laughs> uh he tells her that colonel budahas was hospitalized four months ago after what's referred to as a psychotic episode which we saw in the cold open. Mm-hmm. The military won't comment. Mrs. Budahas hasn't seen or heard from her husband in that whole four months. The military won't even reply to her inquiries. And she finally gave up and reported it to the FBI as a kidnapping. However, the FBI deprioritized the case. And Mulder's like, time for me to step in and sniff the paranormal bouquet. <laughs> All right, all right. We're clearly going to play the paranormal bouquet sound clip. One, uh, Two things that I want to note leading us up to there as well. A, as we pan over to this scene where he's talking to Scully, we see our Deep Throat at the bar. Um, I would like to note that Deep Throat has not taken the cap off of his beer bottle, and I urge him to do a better job at being cool, man. Uh, And also, (laughs) Scully asks, why would the military kidnap one of their own pilots? And Mulder replies, that is the $64,000 question. I had to look it up. But that was a game show from 55 mm-hmm. to 58 on CBS, the $64,000 question. The, the translation of $64,000 to 2021, I think the math was, was insanity. It was like $650,000. So, <laughs> All right. Uh, ouch. Um, but anyway, yes, please. We can't. This was one of my favorite quotes from the whole thing. So let's hear Mulder speak this delicious combo of words. I thought you only liked those... Uh paranormal type cases. Am I missing something here? Let's just say this case has a distinct smell to it. A certain paranormal bouquet. Mulder excuses himself to go to the little special agent's room (laughs) and a man appears blocking his exit and says, leave this case alone, Agent Mulder. This is like what Mulder has been dreaming of. He is... So stoked. Mulder like knew exactly when to tell the cameras to roll because since this show started, he is getting everything he has waited for for all these yeah. years. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love the I love the fact that Deep Throat locked the door behind him. Hell yeah. <laughs> Privacy is uh, very important. Uh-huh. Get yourself a man who is both interested in your work and also has access to government secrets. Yeah. Don't and like 
I, I understand that Mulder is going to always maybe do exactly what he's told not to do. But if I were Mulder in this situation, I would probably hit pause because it does. I mean, granted, I have the advantage of watching the whole episode, but but it does seem like even at the start, like if some dude is going to be like, I know what you're doing and I support it. And I'm telling you, like, this probably is not where you want to go next. I just might I just might take a beat is all, you know. Can't tell Mulder what to do. No, you really can't. Uh, speaking of Deep Throat, just really quick, this is, of course, a reference to the source for uh, the whole Watergate scandal mm-hmm. uh, during the Nixon presidency. Uh, I want to just take one second to recommend to everyone my favorite portrayal of Deep Throat, uh, the feature film Dick, starring Kirsten Dunst and Michelle Williams as essentially... Well, yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, spoilers. They are deep. They throat. are deep. Throat. It's by accident, and it rocks. It's so fucking good. Yeah, and it doesn't. It doesn't take anything away from the movie. Uh, if you know that they are the the titular. Well, they're not the titular deep throat because the movie's called Dick. But still, you get it. Mulder doesn't fucking tell Scully that this happens, which. Bummer, in my opinion, but episode two, so still have room for this kind of behavior, but I don't love it. Oh my God, Jenny. So when I was taking my notes, I was like, Scully's house. She has a microfiche machine at her house. And then I rewound it, thankfully, because it, this is not Scully's house. This is for sure a library. And she's yes, uh, at the microfiche. Where microfiche lives. Reading up on some aliens. This article, uh, there's there's a, a handful of little Easter eggs in this episode. Uh, article here written by C. Carter. Wink, wink. Mm. She gives Mulder a ring and is like, hey, this isn't by any chance actually a UFO goose chase. <laughs> and Mulder's like, yeah, I can't talk right now. My phone's being tapped. Gotta go. <laughs> this is for, for those of you who weren't, you know, sentient in the in the 90s and earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how surveillance used to work. You needed a landline and a van had to sit outside of your house. Now we're just like, um, agree to terms in this app. <laughs> yes, facial recognition by all means. Literally every time I agree to the new iPhone app, I only think of the South Park episode, uh, Human Scent iPad, every time, mm-hmm. every time. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you don't know about it, you look it up. It's, it's a pretty good one. Uh, request to call the House of the Buddha Hosses, the Buddha House. In favor. Thank Motion you. passed. Great. So we go to the Buddha House. Yeah, Scully and Mulder have a little chat with M- Mrs. Buddha Hoss, who lets them know that about two years ago, she noticed a rash under her husband's arms. Then his personality became unpredictable. Uh, he sprinkled fish food. On his plate at a dinner party, he'd yell at the kids and then shake like he was having a seizure. And she tells them that uh, something similar happened to Verla McLennan's husband, Verla McLennan. These names. I know. Why? Uh, do, do you think that there's like a reason that they wrote the line? Because when she says like Tetramil D, Scully doesn't know what she's talking about. And then she has to clarify it's fish food. And I just like found it such an interesting beat that I could not put a finger on. Like it, it's such a choice. And I don't know mm. why it would have been made instead of her just being like he sprinkled fish food on his 
dinner. They're just uh, Chris Carter's just flexing his <laughs> I know the technical name for fish food flakes <laughs> muscles. Yeah. Um. Also, you know, I I think, and we're gonna go to Verna's house, but I think it's pretty cool how they like. Um, set up Mrs. Budahas against Mrs. McLennan um, as like people who are married to folks in the military where, um, you know, Mrs. Budahas is sort of like, I mean, she is, she's very angry. She's like, he served this country. He was here for this country. And now they're treating us like strangers. And it's just in such stark contrast to how um, Verna feels about the military verla Verla, uh (laughs) and their involvement in her husband's uh care and all of this stuff i mean clearly verla's like i heart the military check out my i heart the military shirt please don't do anything worse to us yeah and like we know by the end of the episode that like the military has gotten to uh mrs budahas but i don't know that that we are even to really believe that the military has, quote, gotten to Mrs. McLennan. It it feels to me very much like the way that she speaks is like, this is what we signed up for. We respect the military no matter what they do, no matter what happens to my husband. We respect the military. Like the military never even had to talk to her about anything because this was her stance, mm. hard stance from the top. Mm. I just thought, you know, like I don't I don't have a ton of experience. Um, I'm not from a military family, but it feels like this exists, like that that this sort of dichotomy exists um, in military families. These two different kinds of, of relationships to the service um, and to the government, uh, et cetera. So I, I'm sure there were nods happening here to things happening in in current times right it's 1993 so so mr mclennan has been um pulling out his hair Mm -hmm. and uh the i guess sort of like productive activity that they've channeled it into is he's making uh fly fishing lures Mm -hmm. which like at least he does have like there is something to be said for give like he had he's sitting out there and he has like a purpose he is doing something with purpose that is good that seems good but mm-hmm, mm-hmm. this is very upsetting and she's also you know verna is very upset with anita um for- oh you mean uh verla Ver- verna verla is upset with <laughs> anita for bringing the fbi to her home she is not mm-hmm, in support mm-hmm. of it does the military yeah, no, hate no, no. the fbi is that that's how the vibes oh, go? Probably. probably probably the military hates everything that isn't the military yeah yeah that, that checks out so scully who you may recall is a medical doctor explains that uh, Verla McLennan's husband is is experiencing, I think the way she pronounces it is stereotypy. Stereotypy. Well, she is. Which is brought you... on by stress. Yeah. She won't say, Thank God we have a doctor here, you know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Mulder is like, come on. Like, come on. And he has a really solid point. Like, fucking test pilots are quite literally in their field because they are unflappable like that is that is part Mm. of the deal and i think that that checks out you know like not i mean everybody's human everybody has a breaking point but like them them being overwhelmed by the stress of x y or z is is to this extent does seem like a stretch i'm on team Mulder with this one yeah, I mean, points to Scully for being like, hey, I bet he was piloting some experimental spycraft. Scully's like, I've heard rumors. I can apply them yeah. to what I think is going on in this case. 
Mulder, I can party with you. Uh, they're trying to make an appointment to speak with a military rep, but they are getting a big blow off. So they just show up at this guy's house who oh tells them to get the fuck off his lawn. Oh, my God. So before before I just have to talk. I need to talk about this motel for just a, t- a couple seconds. OK, a they're staying at a motel called the Beach Grove Motel. Folks, we are in Idaho. What? Um, also, just want to note that Mulder does use a phone book, uh, the Yellow Pages, folks, Ooh. to look up the Kissels to go to the, the Colonel Kissel home. <laughs> okay. So, yes. Back to what Jenny was saying. We go to, what would you call this when you sort of, like, bombard somebody at their own home? Uh, bombarding them at their own home? <laughs> Great. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, goodbye. And what uh, what are the chances that just as he's telling them to get out of there, Paul Mosinger, a local journalist, rolls up, sniffing for info. He thinks UFOs are a bunch of hooey, <laughs> winning, winning no favors with Mulder. Mulder's like, okay, so if I would like to see for myself some hooey who would i talk to (laughs) yeah yeah where do they keep the hooey in this town oh my god they keep the hooey at the flying saucer jenny based on if you forgot already the fucking little ali inn a restaurant (laughs) in rachel nevada which i'm gonna just tell you right now i want jenny before we finish talking about the x-files my life dream is to sit at the little alien and eat a burger with you there at the countertop. <laughs> I want it like in my soul. I deeply need to go to Rachel Nevada. And, it, and also like it's not just a diner. It's an inn. You can you can sleep there. You can stay there. And I want to do it. Jenny, will you just say that before we're done talking about the X-Files, we can go to Rachel Nevada and have a burger at the little alien. All right, I'm in. Yes! <laughs> Got a pretty big window. Yeah, it's from pretty, where I'm it's sitting. Exactly. Um, please, please go to the website, uh, listeners, littlealeinn.com. Jenny, I'm just going to read to you. It's it's formatted like it was made in 1993. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I'm just going to read you the top information here. There's a bunch of links. Um, and then right below the title, Little Alien Info, it says, please, in all red, drive carefully in the open range. Underneath that, it says, when the sun starts to set, the crows like to cross over the roadways and can be hard to see. As Joe Travis used to say, quote, they have gray ones for the day and black ones for the nights. End quote. As dusk approaches, reduce your speed to slow down and give you more time to be alerted to anything traveling the road besides you. Watch out for cattle on the road that's the what there's nothing about the there's nothing even about the inn until way further down that's the top <laughs> thing on the website <laughs> well i guess uh, it doesn't nothing about the inn matters if you accidentally hit a cattle or a crow a, a cattle <laughs> a cattle one singular cattle uh walk in drive in fly in get to the little alien et's and earthlings welcome always that's their wow um also maybe the other thing to note is that in addition to the address um there are gps coordinates uh for you on this website to find the little alien um so please go go look at the website enjoy it um there's tons of links i haven't even explored yet 
uh, and one day Kristen Russo and Jenny Owen Youngs will sit and eat a burger here at this restaurant. Yeah, and if you're thinking to yourself, man, I've long have I wanted a green alien head cookie jar and a green alien head spoon rest to match to complete my kitchen's look. Do they sell them? this website can help you out oh my god really oh wow this is exciting okay well we'll 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 go shopping on our own time or at least uh-huh, i will uh-huh. <laughs> okay there are a lot of uh photos of ufos hanging up behind the counter at this diner and uh the woman who's uh working the counter actually took one of them she's selling the photos for 20 dollars, and Mulder cannot purchase one fast enough Scully says, sucker. Noted by producer Latoya Ferguson, Kristen Russo, and I assume Jenny Owen Youngs as an incredibly hot moment uh, in the diner. Very cool, Scully. Uh, Scully is so annoyed because then Mulder is like, what would be the chances of someone like me seeing a UFO? And all we hear is like (laughs) the the fucking wind behind Scully as she like exits the flying saucer. Catch you outside. She's so disgusted. First of all, Mulder, the chances of someone like you seeing a UFO are very high. <laughs> um, the th- a thing that we haven't talked about is that since we've arrived here uh, at the at the airbase and adjacent areas, th- all of the scenes we have seen are sort of interrupted by massive whooshing jet slash other flying object noises. The glasses at the flying saucer are shaking. It happens at the Buddha house. It's going to happen many more times. So just if you didn't watch it, just please imagine many, many powerful jet whooshing sounds. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ellen's Air Base is not on Scully's government map, Jenny. It's not fucking there. Don't worry, the lady from the Flying Saucer (laughs) drew Mulder his own special little map. Yay! He says to her, we got our own map, sucker. Kiss! (laughs) Okay, our next location is a chain link fence topped with barbed wire. Scully is so pissed. She says, this is going to look real good on my field report. (laughs) Just classic. This is like real seventh grade, like narc vibes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I assume that Mulder takes binoculars up with him. I tried so many times to see what he was taking out of the trunk because I know last yeah. episode he had spray paint back there. So I'm yeah, just like, yeah, what yeah. does this man's kit look like? You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, I think it was a pair of bins. He's up on the hill. He's out there so long watching this show that. Night falls, Scully is asleep, and Dude. the fucking back windshield of the car shatters when a gigantic whooshing sound happens. And then, hilariously, then Mulder is like, Scully, wake up! <laughs> He's been watching these two, I refer to these uh, as the Tinkerbells. I don't know if that's the military name for them, but I think it should be. Uh, They are sort of two glowing orbs in the sky that dance around and about each other. And yeah. Very romantic. Lots of tension between these two swiftly moving lights. That's a really good point, Jenny. Let me write that down in my notes. Mm Mm-hmm. Skelly's like, maybe they're lasers. Maybe this is a laser light show. Maybe Pink Floyd is about to kick in. <laughs> yeah, but then just as she's like opining about all the things it could be, they sort of like pair up and disappear. And then there's a huge 
so I'm so sorry, everyone, that I have to say whooshing so much. I just don't know how else to describe the what noise. What are you going to do? There's a lot of whooshing. But there's a huge whooshing noise as they sort of like orbit up into the sky. She says, oh, my God. Then a third light appears. It's getting closer and closer. And Mulder's like, sick, another one. But no, it's actually a helicopter. It's just Riley Finn fucking trying to yep. get these kids off his lawn, you know? Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Uh, just then they see two teens or thereabouts, uh, coming back through a hole in the fence and they, uh, run them down. One of them is Seth Green. What are the odds? Fucking werewolf in this economy. You know what I mean? I know. I know. Um, as, first of all, so happy to see Seth Green here. This is 1993 Seth Green. He kind of looks very close to 1997 Seth Green, in my opinion. Um, just a little younger, a little more scraggly. Mulder's face when he's chasing these two kids down the hill is one of my favorite parts of this whole episode because he is having the time of his life he is so (laughs) happy that this is like he's just been waiting for the opportunity uh (sighs) to run down some like-minded young folk Mm -hmm. they all like hide from the helicopter together underneath the tree which is also a very cute little moment where our family of four crouch below a tree mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then what else would you do jenny but take these two kids out to get a burger at eric steiner that's right uh listen they're being surveilled it appears by a silhouette in a sedan who goes by codename redbird it's like Jenny's fa- one of Jenny's favorites favorite beers is Ruby Redbird and so it's like really all I could think about cuz today I both was both taking notes about Redbird and buying Jenny Ruby Redbird from the state of New York because I'm a really can't good get it in Maine. friend business partner and ex-wife. <laughs> can't get it in Maine. So Seth Green aka Emil is describing what those mysterious lights get up to in the sky because he and Zoe go out to uh, kick back, listen to some tunes, and watch the light show on a regular basis. And the the demonstration item that he is working with is a hamburger, which is very close to a UFO. Well, mm-hmm. what I think of, a flying saucer kind of shape. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the UFO things that we're looking at in this episode are the triangular model, mm-hmm. which is like not my jam. I'm, you know, I like the classic classic saucer. A nice round flying saucer. Is it a spoiler for me to ask if we'll get a classic saucer in this show as well? Best not to tread there. Okay. All right. Uh I I too, Mostly because I can't remember. I too I too really like a saucer. Um but you know, we have room for triangles here too. All shapes mm-hmm. uh, are welcome. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, Scully's response to asking these kids what they're doing and them giggling uh, is one of my favorite things ever. Because, like, honestly, these kids are, what, probably, like, 15? And Scully is, what, like, 24? Like, the age gap is not even that big. You know, I know she's supposed to be older. Oh, but... S- yeah, Scully is 28. Okay, but Scully is 28. Jillian is 24, right? Oh, she's so tiny. In this episode, some of the like scenes where her little face is all flushed and she has tiny freckles, I'm like, this is a tiny baby child right now. Mm-hmm. But I love the way she looks at them when she finds out they're like having sex and smoking pot in the car in the woods or whatever. It's very, <laughs> very good to me. Um, but yeah, they tell, they, they have a lot of information. Uh, well, 
Mulder considers it information. Scully consi- considers it a bunch of hooey, it seems. But um, mm-hmm. but they they talk about the yellow base, um, which is allegedly where the government is storing all of this stuff. They say that there's a bunch of landmines around it. Um, and let's just hear a little bit of our our boy, Seth Green, uh, talking to Mulder and Scully about what it's like out there. Sometimes they come in real low and just put on the skitters, right? It's like, and then they just hang there and hover without making a sound. And you just think, you know, who turned down the volume, right? <laughs> what do you think they are? Okay. Everybody thinks that they're like UFOs, but I think it's some kind of Star Wars, Cybertech, newfangled hardware, right? I don't know. They're probably rolled out for Desert Storm 2 or something like that. Cruise right over Saddam's house, you know? You'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> nice uh then um Mulder shows them a little pic that he, the the photograph the triangle ufo photograph that he got from the diner and says like they look exactly like that <laughs> this is a classic character archetype of this decade of the 90s decade latoya referred to Brecken Meyer uh, in her notes. Mm-hmm. Brecken Meyer was in Clueless in 95, I think Clueless is. This is 93. Brecken Meyer and Seth Green, real good pe- buds. They're like very good friends, the two of them. I think probably because they were playing very similar roles through a lot of the 1990s, probably up for a lot of similar roles. Uh, but this like very sweethearted stoner dude who's just like here to hang man is like very very (laughs) entrenched in you as a human if you grew up in the 1990s we saw a lot of these guys and to be honest with you i kind of always loved them they were like if i was gonna be interested in a dude in a movie or a tv show it was usually this kind of a character (laughs) that Mm -hmm. i liked yeah yeah yeah. uh speaking of being here to hang (laughs) after Mulder and scully drop emil and zoe off at home, Mulder pops in a cassette that he snagged from a meal and plays air guitar <laughs> in the driver's seat for a moment. And shakes his shoulders, Jenny. He shimmies yeah. his shoulders. Hell, yes. Oh. Uh, and Mulder's like, can you believe? He's so <laughs> stoked about their eyewitness accounts. And Scully's like, Mulder, did you see their eyes? If I were that stone, Ooh, I'd... if you were that stone, what? Wow. Hell yeah. <laughs> wow. Her smile also right before that exchange happens is really something to be noted here. It is a smile. F- and I'm not even, I'm not trying to make anything sexy. I will get on the Jenny Owen Young's train of best friends. This is the smile of pure joy inside of a, yeah. a soul's Heart. I mean, a soul's heart? Is that a thing? You know what I mean. Mm, mm-hmm. She's so happy. Also, Jenny, they were out having burgers all night. It's daytime. What happened? It's uh, the timestamp. The timestamp uh, when they start the diner scene, it's like 5 a.m. Okay. So so they were. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's right. All right. So Mulder's got some fucking theories. Of course he does. This is this is one of the six sites where the wreckage from Roswell was shipped. Clearly the military is building planes with UFO technology. Scully. Yeah. And then Mulder shows her the two pics of the two triangular UFOs. He's like, tell me there isn't a remarkable resemblance between these two triangles. My personally, my 
biggest gripe with like UFO photographs is that they're always like a blurry triangle or a blurry disc. <laughs> uh, once, once my friend sent me a video that was like, here is, you know, inarguable proof. And it was a video. He was like, look at all of them. There's so many in the sky. And it's like a bunch of like discs, like light colored discs against like a blue background. But it's like, it looked like it could have been like something through, like looking at something through a microscope. Right. Like it just looked right. so grainy, indistinct and unspecific. Well, I mean. So UFOs become more recognizable yeah. and distinct. Thank you. I would say it's because they move so fast. But so many people in this episode alone say that they just sit there and hover. So it seems. They love to hover. Yeah, it seems like they their whole you... That's their flex. Because like we can't do that without like a helicopter propeller. Right, right. You know, so mm-hmm. noisy and creates so much wind. So yeah, Scully's like, these are, f- you have two blurry photos. Like, I, I cannot give you this. This is not, no. We played a sound clip up at the top uh, for this this last bit of this scene. My favorite part of this moment, Jenny, is that Scully is like, they weren't UFOs if I just don't know what they are. And Mulder is like, dude. UFO stands for unidentified flying objects. So that is actually literally what they are. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. Back at the Beach Grove Motel, Scully absolutely running at top speed from reception to Mulder's room. Mulder's like, you didn't come to raid my mini bar, did you? (laughs) He's still yes, thinking about Mulder. Scully saying that she gets stoned sometimes. He's like, do you, yeah, you yeah. want to party? Or like, what are we, when do we get to party? Yeah. <laughs> party Mulder has entered the chat. <laughs> There's a message from Mrs. Budahas. Uh, Colonel Budahas is home. He came home. So we go back to the Buddha house. Yeah. And Anita Budahas's uh, main complaint is that is not my husband. This is like, so clearly we learn, or at least we learn that the theory here is that part of Colonel Budahas's memory has been extracted. Um, and to his wife, it appears as though this is actually like an entirely different human being, which honestly, if the government is like fucking around with your husband, I would also put that on the table for consideration as a possibility. Yeah, I mean, Yes. Uh, after asking Colonel Budaha some like basics, birthday, children's name, la la la, he says that he has a hotshot pilot friend who claims he can do an Immelman at a sustained eight G's. Is that possible? Budahas can't answer. Now, Kristen, an Immelman mm. named after German World War One. Eindecker fighter ace Lieutenant Max Amelman refers to two different aircraft maneuvers. Just FYI. Wow. In World War I aerial combat, an Immelman turn was a maneuver used after an attack on another aircraft to reposition the attacking aircraft for another attack. Attack, attack, attack. In modern aerobatics, an Immelman turn, also known as a roll off the top or simply an Immelman, is an aerobatic maneuver that results in level flight in the opposite direction at a higher altitude. It's sort of like you're you're cruising along and then you go upside down and flip <gasps> so that you are then flying in the opposite direction higher than you just were. Cool. Sounds like some Top Gun shit. You know what I mean? It does. 
Today's episode is brought to you by Regal Cinemas. If you're anything like me, you deeply enjoy going to the movies. Going to the movies is probably among my top three all-time activities. I love seeing films on the big screen. I also love being around other people who are watching the same movie with me at the same time. And of course, I love eating giant buckets of popcorn. If you feel the same and you like going to the theater, Regal Unlimited is something that just makes sense. Regal Unlimited is the all-you-can-watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two movie visits. You can see any standard 2D movie anytime, no blackout dates, no restrictions. When you want to watch a movie in 4DX or IMAX or RPX or ScreenX, there's so many ways to watch movies these days, your Regal Unlimited membership gets you into those premium experiences at a reduced cost. And with Regal Unlimited, you don't only save money on the tickets, you will also save on your snacks. And as previously mentioned, I love snacks. The only thing that can make me love a snack more is saving money on buying a snack. Members get 10% off of all non-alcoholic concession items with membership. Regal Unlimited, all you can watch movie subscription pass. It pays for itself in two visits. So if you're planning to see two movies this month, join Regal Unlimited and sign up now. You can sign up in the Regal app or on regmovies.com slash unlimited. Sign up for Regal Unlimited using code buffering and earn 10% off your three-month subscription. Please let us know about all of the movies you see and how the popcorn is. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So not only do, will we never know if Colonel Budahas can do an Immelman at a sustained 8G, but he has actually no idea. Like, he, he it, it happens in real time for him. Like, it, it seems that this yeah. is the moment that he realizes... He knows he was a pilot, and he also knows he can't remember anything about it. Um, which is yeah, there's like a filing cabinet, mm-hmm. the P files in his brain, <laughs> P for pilot, uh, and he goes to the filing cabinet and opens the drawer, and there's no, there are no files inside. Yeah, it's very sad because he says like Anita, I can't remember. Mulder thinks the military did a selective memory drain, and Scully is like, the medical technology does not exist. The science does not exist. You're, you know, barking up the wrong tree. While they're having this conversation, they're driving through, I don't know, a cornfield or something, (laughs) and uh, they are forcefully stopped by two sedans blocking their way full of men. In black clothing and aviator shades who uh, take their ammunition, take their UFO photographs and rip out their camera film and punch Mulder in the kidneys. 
for good measure. And these men in black tell them to get the hell out of town, go back to your motel, pack and leave. Yeah, so they do go back to their motel. This is something that I am going to begin to pay attention to, Jenny, because my favorite part in every episode is when it's casual clothes o'clock. And it is (laughs) casual clothes o'clock at the motel. Everybody's feeling cozy. Nobody's wearing any suits anymore. It's just time for Uh friends. Um, Yep. And they're having a, a conversation here, which I think brings up a really big question. Um, Mulder confesses to Deep Throat and the phone tab, and he's saying, I think there's mm-hmm. a conspiracy and they're going to do anything to protect it. Scully's like, but doesn't the government have a right to protect some of its secrets? Like, that's that also seems important. And Mulder's- Yeah, governments can have a few secrets as a treat. <laughs> Mulder's like, but at what cost? When does the human cost become too high for the building of a better machine. Scully is like, we actually aren't going to talk. That's not even, that's not, I, did you see my job description? Because it does not include answering questions like that. <laughs> but a big important question, because I feel like, I know I'm only two episodes in, but it doesn't feel to me like Mulder needs to prove to Scully that aliens exist. It feels like, to me, Mulder has to prove to Scully that the government can't be trusted. Like, it really just feels like that's the missing piece, because once she's got that, then she can Mm. go and party, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And I was interesting hearing from Latoya after she watched this app, like she was kind of struggling with this idea of like the human cost like Mulder is speaking it, he's allegedly thinking about it, but we're not seeing like a lot of like softness or compassion for these families that are being impacted. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mulder is like the truth, right. and Scully is like Mulder, <laughs> um, and also the government, uh, my fave. And I thought that was a really interesting point. I'm I'm like curious to I know I just rewatched season one but now I'm like back at the beginning and I I feel like I don't feel like the sort of like emotional void but I don't I'm not certain if it's because like I feel like the emotional richness of Scully and Mulder's relationship developing over time Mm -hmm. or if it's that eventually things become like softer and we see you know more, more emotional investment from them in the things that they're investigating when they do involve you know human cost and human loss yeah and i mean i i on the other hand uh, clearly i don't know what comes next but i had room for some of this in this episode mostly because i guess i view it as not that i don't think that they should have softness for like mrs budahas um but that the reason it feels to me like the entire driving force behind what Mulder does is at the higher level to try to undo this. So it's not about necessarily like helping one family right now that's going through this. It's about like staying pointed at, to use the the, the phrase that goes with the show, the truth, because in uncovering that one big thing, that will help limitless amounts of families. And I and I feel like that's a mindset for people who are not, not seeking out UFOs per se, but like people who are working to try to like uproot systemic stuff. Sometimes it is hard to stop and sort of manage things at an individual level and to balance that. So that's kind of how I viewed 
this episode and like the way that they interacted with the families. I'm also just thinking about more modern procedurals where I feel like it's usually more of an ensemble cast if you think about like the various branches on the Law and Order tree or NCIS uh, or CSI shows like that. There's like a larger cast of people with relationships Mm -hmm. with each other and then relationships outside of their sort of like work galaxy. Yeah. um, That like has more space. I don't know, like more space to cultivate that sort of emotional richness. Mm -hmm. Um, It'll be interesting to, to keep an eye on it as we continue to move through the season Mulder and Scully is plenty for me yeah but yeah, also but, but you're right I hear you Latoya uh, you're right like and I think you know because in, in a situation where like Mulder and Scully are focused on this big thing there usually would be some other character involved who would be like trying to help Mrs. Budahas you know like there's no one else here um in this community that seems to be there to help her so it does just feel like she's left with nothing when they leave mm-hmm. um which is which is really sad so so scully is like let's leave um like literally while you still have a job let us please leave and Mulder's like yeah no you know what great idea yeah (laughs) totally what a great idea no i acquiesce and i'm gonna go pack and then we can head out scully no it's the first time fool her once that's fine okay but Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. he better not he better not get away with this move more than one time uh yeah (laughs) Yeah, he goes screaming out of the parking lot in their rental car, leaving her in the dust. Emil and Zoe take Mulder to the hole in the fence. It's funny because Mulder, like, saw them come out of that hole in the fence. So I'm not sure why. (laughs) We just wanted more Seth Green. Um, Yeah. 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 Mulder is going to hike 10 miles to Yellow Base where they (laughs) hang her the UFOs. I literally refer to the next scene as Mulder's big hike. (laughs) Yes. He wore his Timberland boots. (laughs) So nice. He he knew he was going to be journeying, going on a far, far Mm -hmm. walk. Um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. And the kids are like, listen, man, don't go. Just don't go past the edge of the tall weeds. Shit. Did we tell them about the landmines? They're so concerned about their new friend, Mulder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Do you think they call him Mr. Mulder? Do you think he's like, it's Fox? (laughs) (laughs) One gigantic hike later, Mulder pops out at Yellow Base and a gigantic aircraft hovers directly over him. Ah! This is cool. I actually approve of this. I think it is. Looks good, right? Yeah, it looks really good. Um, It's a big triangular thing and it... It does some very classic UFO moves, like put it puts a beam of light directly down on him. And I did not feel like, ah, this is kind of cheesy, even for like a second. You know, I thought it was like a great fucking job all across mm-hmm. the board. Yeah. Uh, let me tell you, Kristen. Enjoy it, because there will be a lot of effects. <laughs> A lot of effects in season one where you're like, oh, no, <laughs> I will clutch. I will clutch to this one as a one moment yeah. of joy. Um, yeah. But yeah, it sees him and then sorry, but it whooshes right the fuck away. Jenny, I believe in extraterrestrials. I believe in the military doing things secretively and not caring necessarily uh, about how that might impact the families in this town. But I don't believe that Agent Fox Mulder would literally try to run away on foot from this situation. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. 
you know, desperate times, desperate measures. I guess. He's running, but he doesn't get away. They get him and they drug him. No, not the mask that makes you pass out. Uh, this is good, David Duchovny. He's really, because he's been so like, the whole time, a pilot mm-hmm. and this episode really included, you know, that I think it's, I don't know, it hit me in the gut to see how terrified he is in this scene and then how like devastated and upset he is uh, by the end of this episode. Uh, a good a good fall from like party Mulder to fuck. This is real mm-hmm. Mulder. Yeah. These scenes also, I was reading about um, the production here, these scenes like through the hike and the, and the UFO above him and all these air bases, they were filmed back to back. I think they filmed six or seven scenes in one shoot. They started filming on a Friday morning and filmed until Saturday morning. So some of the scenes that we see where it looks like the sun is setting, that's actually the sun rising. Oh, geez. This was like a really, really wild shoot that they did. Um, and explains some of the the fact that they have like Mulder there overnight and whatever, because it, it's, it, you know, they did them all back to back. So mm-hmm. congratulations, everyone. The fact that we're like having a UFO above Mulder and that this episode is in a different place. Talk to me in Kristen's crystal ball. I'll have things to say about that. But uh, I think is important in a television space because this is only episode two. And as you know, Jenny and I are uh, we have a lot of feelings, but we don't have a lot of background in TV. We don't have as much knowledge as the one and the only Latoya Ferguson. And she has a couple of. (gasps) Yeah, it's true. She has a couple of things to say, Jenny, uh, about this second episode, which she refers to as Pilot Junior. To the lair! Latoya's lair, Latoya's lair. Hear the whisper, mama scared. Exes, it's time for another Latoya's Lair. What to talk about with an episode of television titled Deep Throat? I'm sure all of the dirty jokes that I could think of have been covered mightily by both Kristen and Little Jenny. So instead, I'll talk about something serious, which, as this is the second episode of The X Files, second episode ever. Um, Something I always like to point out is that second episodes of shows, especially outside of the streaming sphere, especially in seasons of television uh, that are longer than what we tend to have now, um, second episodes are kind of like what I like to call pilot juniors, uh, a phrase I did not make up. I actually stole it from the one season uh, ABC teen drama Life As We Know It where the the first episode was, of course, titled Pilot, and the second episode was actually titled Pilot Junior. The concept, basically, is that with second episodes, traditionally, you have to remind people of the premise, especially in a time like when The X-Files' first season was airing in 1993, because word of mouth would be the thing to get people to tune into the second episode. So in genre-defining shows like The X-Files or Buffy, you do that uh, in the second episode while also showing how the formula of the series won't be the same every single time. For Buffy, for example, 
obviously the second episode is actually part two of a two hour one night premiere. So the better example for its pilot junior is episode three, The Witch, which was not a vampire villain, but it's Buffy facing off against one of the infamous forces of evil. Um, and the metaphor come to life basically with, you know, a mother wanting to relive her high school glory days, which is the heart of the, what the show was about, especially in those high school seasons. Episode two of The X-Files, Deep Throat, isn't necessarily about extraterrestrials in the same creepy alien sense that the pilot was. Uh, it's more about the quote-unquote paranormal bouquet that they use in this episode and the umbrella of all that. So this is more about, you know, the military and government conspiracy and unveiling the truth in general there. So it isn't just about one hidden secret thing. It's about the many hidden secret things and uncovering the mystery. Obviously, we have UFOs and the assumption is it's alien technology, but it's not specifically about abduction. It's about how Earthlings, humans, uh, have taken this alien technology and used it to their advantage or disadvantage. Um, this episode also really leans into the Scully field report stuff. I'm not sure moving forward how much of that is going to be part of the show, but it is a reminder of the audience about the basic premise, how, yes, Mulder and Scully are partners, but also Scully's doing field reports and she's reporting on Mulder. So if if nothing else, uh, I would say this is a successful pilot junior. Curious to see where we go. And yeah, just so you all know, yes, of course, I was absolutely terrified as soon as the opening credits started. And that that's where we're at. Back to you, Kristen and Jenny. The toy is there. The toy is there. Latoya, you know, just fucking, I wonder how the dragon is doing. We should ask her next mm. time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jenny, I'm so sorry to report that none of the phones work at the motel. Nope, nope, they don't. Meanwhile, Mulder is being gurneyed through what looks like Buffy season four's The Initiative. It is. That's why it was Riley in the fucking helicopter before. Mm-hmm. Uh <laughs> Scully left when she goes to the lobby to try to use their phone, which also doesn't work. She leaves her gun in the room, which seems also like a thing that Scully would not ever do. But she did it and Mm -hmm, she has no mm -hmm. gun. And that's a fucking bummer because here comes Ruby Redbird rolling up. Um, And (laughs) do not do not besmirch my beloved Shiner Grapefruit Ginger Rattler, please. <laughs> so sorry. Non-Ruby Redbird is here. I actually, in my notes, referred to him as Evil Redbird. Uh-huh. Um, Good. And he <laughs> he has put the volume of his um, military walkie-talkie up at, you know, decibel 400. So Scully hears the officers say, Redbird, Redbird, come in for secret business involving UFOs. And she's like, ah! <laughs> Uh, and this is like when Scully goes from, wow, Scully, you are a hot FBI agent to, wow, Scully, you are a hot FBI agent. She fucking <laughs> gets her. She gets in this car. She locks the door. She's fucking looking around trying to find something. She finds this gun. She fucking gets him up against the car. The kids scoot around on their scooter. They're like, hey, man, we helped your friend find the yellow base. <laughs> this is a wild scene. <laughs> 
Yeah, she and she makes a and she makes Paul get on his walkie and find out where is Mulder. Yeah, yeah, and he does it. Mulder is getting spooky eye drops in his eyes, which I don't care for. Um, yeah, no, thank you. No, thank you. Uh, and maybe that's connected to the spooky eyeball in the credits. Uh, <laughs> I think so. <laughs> And we get to, I mean, you know, I always, I want to call this the last scene, but it is not the last scene. It just, it's the last scene of this particular journey where Scully and the reporter, uh, the reporter, I'm still in my notes referring to him as the reporter, Scully and Redbird are driving up to the base to get the package. Uh, The package is Mulder and Scully's in the back seat. She's got the gun on him and she's like, start the fucking car. And... Mm. Hmm? They drive up Jenny and out. Com- this is when the bangs are they're ri- there. It's rough. Mulder is that hair has flopped. It has flopped. It's it's not it's no longer looking like the 1980s sketch of a hairdo in a salon. Mm-hmm. He's really fucked up. And my note um, after saying he looks really fucked up, Jenny, is has Scully ever been hotter than getting out of the car with her gun and moving around and shouting, get in the car, Mulder? And then I answered Mm -hmm. my question and I said no. (laughs) Uh, As Mulder and Redbird pass each other, Redbird says, everything you've seen here is equal to the protection we give it. It's you who has acted inappropriately. And Mulder, recently lobotomized, is like, fire bad, tree pretty. <laughs> Seriously. This is, not, this is not a concept for Mulder to absorb right now. Yeah. They screech off. Scully's driving. This is really sad. I know. She's... Mulder's like, Scully, how did I get here? Mulder! Oh, Mulder. It's like... This is like... Very bold for like one of the two leads in like the second episode of the series to like have part of his memory compromised by the government. Yeah. But also like, man, if Mulder's mission is to get Scully to have some kind of distrust for the government, this might work. I mean, oh, yeah. stay mm-hmm. tuned, I suppose, for episode three, Squeeze. But I just feel like, my God, uh, if if she wasn't going to believe him suggesting it, then how do you not believe this man being escorted out by these berets, these guys in berets and, and looking like yeah. he looked? I mean, it, clearly something is up. Um, so they've gotten to, as I mentioned earlier, right, they got to Buddha House, the Buddha House and they've... Um, scared where we are to believe um mrs budahas yeah and he does like my husband is fine he's much better he's resting please leave thank you <laughs> yeah uh and they leave and we get this voiceover that was called for by the network they wanted more closure so this voiceover of scully reading her doogie hauser report um yeah scully hauser md clickety clacking <laughs> jenny and a little easter egg the publicist for the show uh her initials were df and her birthday was october 13th 1964 this is case df 10 1364 um yeah there's a couple others that i didn't mention but some fun stuff happening in the props department and in the scripting um adding in these little easter eggs so yeah she says she can't it's inconclusive. Um, the only thing she can corroborate is seeing two unidentified flying objects. Ooh, 
which I guess is something, you know. But but this case is closed mm-hmm. without, you know, closure. Closed without closure. They do decide to end that scene, though, after she finishes her little report with her picking up the photo of the blurry triangle, which I feel <laughs> signals it, something. Yep, <laughs> yep, she's thinking about it. She's thinking about it. Now, listen, mm-hmm. Mulder is running on a track in a sweatshirt with the sleeves cut off, okay? Yes. It's a Georgetown sweatshirt. His hat from which a, a, the pilot is also was also Georgetown. As far as we know, he didn't go there. He went to Oxford. He, he probably went to Oxford for his postgraduate. He probably went to Georgetown oh. for his undergrad. That's that was okay. my uh, okay. Your head cannon. Yep, my head cannon. Because he has two Georgetown items now for two episodes. So, you know who loves to see it and has no qualms with approaching Mulder on the track in broad daylight? Deep Throat. Deep Throat. So here's the thing, right? Deep Throat. We see Deep Throat in a full suit. Like, I'm pretty sure it's like a three-piece suit. He's got, like, the vest and the jacket and the tie. He's walking mm-hmm. so slowly to Mulder. And it, like, is fine. But what I want to see is the full scene. I want to see how far this man walked in this suit slowly towards Mulder on the track. Because <laughs> it just feels really funny. Like, why wouldn't he just wait for him to be done with his run, you know? Jenny, Mulder is so sweaty. It's the most perfect beads of sweat on this man's yeah. face. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Deep Throat has a lot to say. What does he say? What does he say? He says their lives may be in danger. He says his interest is in the truth. Mulder's like, I saw something, but it's gone. They took it from me. Mm-hmm. Erased it. Mm-hmm. He asks Mulder this question, which I think is a cool exchange. He's like, why mm. are those like yourself not dissuaded by all the evidence to the contrary? And Mulder says, because all the evidence to the contrary is not entirely dissuasive. Hell yeah, Mulder. Hot. That is a hot little line of dialogue. And then what do we end on? Chilling. Mulder's like, they're here, aren't they? And Deep Throat is like, Mr. Mulder, they've been here for a long, long time. And then he probably goes to the coffee shop where he meets the smoking man and they talk about it. You know what I mean? Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's what you think? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I just made it just came out of my body right now. <laughs> wow. Why don't you fire up your crystal ball? Yes. And tell us. Now my crystal ball is officially a, what do you call them again? Oh, a plasma globe? Plasma globe. I literally was like a phlegm ball. What is it called? A plasma globe. Yeah, that's it. Yep. Kristen's crystal ball is actually a Spencer Gifts plasma ball. Okay, so last time we were in your crystal ball, <laughs> mm-hmm. you said we'd be hanging out in Belfleur, Oregon for a while. The minute it opened and it was like Ellen's Air Force Base, I was like suddenly like rehearing your tone when you like gave that summary and was like, God damn it. <laughs> Jenny like pointedly, so you're saying we'll be setting up camp in Belfleur? <laughs> 
Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was wrong, but I still believe that we will return to the class of 1989. Um, okay. I actually have my crystal ball revealed something to me um, over the <laughs> over the <laughs> weekend, Jenny, which was I actually uh, and I have to do more research on this, but I was thinking about the fact that there was the class of 1989 who was being impacted by these aliens in the pilot, and I was thinking about how um, the Taylor Swift album is called 1989 um, because she was born in 1989 and I just started thinking you know what Kristen you know what you have to do you need to go back to that album and you need to look more closely at those lyrics because perhaps the truth is also in there so nope. I I nope. promise you that I will spend some nope. time yes with nope <laughs> yes with Taylor Swift's <laughs> album 1989 and and let you know if I find anything in my next Crystal oh, Ball or in incredible incredible yes please let me know okay keep us all updated but yeah we did not stay in Belfour. i still think that we'll go back i hope that we'll go back um because what the fuck because the two marks have to come back they have to um other things in my crystal ball i just mentioned one that occurred to me right now which is that deep throat and smoking man somehow are in cahoots with each other okay I think that Mulder has already had his memory erased one time before. I don't think this okay. I don't think this is the fur his first walk around memory loss lane. Okay. Do you have any other question any leading questions for me um about the future? Anything that you would like me to look for in my crystal ball, Jenny? <laughs> <laughs> Do you expect to uh see a lot more of Deep Throat? Well, no, but that's I I I expect that Deep Throat will be woven through in some manner. But because I produce this podcast, it is inescapable for me to uh, find out some things. So I don't I feel like I, I know, but I, there's no way for me to have not seen that Deep Throat. I think maybe only is around one more time. Is that real? Is that true? Deep Throat. Only around one more time. Let me write that down. <laughs> or maybe Deep Throat st- only appears in one more episode. Jenny, All right, cool. Leading the witness here. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It. I got the impression that maybe Deep Throat would not be as involved as I would have hoped. Um, oh, I have a question. Yeah. I'm not sure actually how soon we'll get the answer to this, but it will come eventually. We didn't see Mulder's bed. Okay. In his apartment. Okay. Uh, but there's something distinct about his bed. It's a bunk bed. It's got to be a bunk bed. Please. Bunk bed. Make it a bunk bed. Okay. God damn it, please. It has to be a bunk bed. Okay, cool. A bunk bed or caveat, Kristen still gets the points if it's a lofted bed with a tiny desk underneath like a teenage boy might have. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> okay, great. And do do Mulder or Scully have any pets? <laughs> the immediate vision that came to my mind because last night I just watched the first episode of Wednesday was uh, Thing. <laughs> but, mm, okay. Uh, A disembodied hand. Okay. Got it. Um, I, with my soul, maybe more than I've ever wanted anything, want Scully to have a cat. I want it so bad, but I'm not sure. I'm looking in my crystal ball and it's, it's looking back at me saying you have too many feelings about this, Kristen, and we cannot show you the truth today. Okay. But that's okay. what I wish. I don't know if it counts as a prediction, but I want it. So I'm okay, putting cool. it in my crystal no, no, ball. No, that's good. 
Maybe my crystal ball also works in reverse. Like I can speak into it and help make things for the future. Sure. No, that could be. Okay. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. But I don't think that Mulder has a pet yet. Maybe later in the series he gets a dog. Definitely Mulder dog, Scully cat, right? Dogs are boys and girls are cats. We all know this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, so just to recap, mm-hmm. Deep Throat and Smoking Man are in cahoots. Definitely. Deep Throat appears in like one more episode. <laughs> Mulder has had his memory erased before. Yes. Mulder has a bunk bed. Yes. <laughs> you want Scully to have a cat. Mm-hmm. And you don't think Mulder has a dog yet, but he might eventually. Mm-hmm. And you maintain <laughs> that, the class that we haven't seen the last of Belf- of the class of 89 in Belfleur, Oregon. Yes, correct. I feel I support all of this summary except for the part where I say Deep Throat will only maybe appear one more time. Because that wasn't really my crystal ball. That was just like me trying not to see spoilers and thinking I saw a spoiler. Like, so okay. give me a little room for that one. <laughs> so maybe like two more episodes. The way you're saying it, I I already know that Deep Throat's just going to be around like all the fucking time now. Somebody doesn't have a poker face. (laughs) That's not what I would say. Okay. All right. Just trying to get to the bottom of things here. Yeah, just trying to get... Bottom of the crystal ball. Just trying to get to the truth. I understand. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Well, Let's get out of this freaking crystal ball and... uh, into something a little more comfortable. <laughs> oh, yeah. Casual close the clock. <laughs> well. Welcome back to another installment of the Sexual Tension Awards. Probably the most important part of the podcast. Mm-hmm. As usual, we have four slots full of noms for you to choose from. And here they are. In slot number one, sometimes, you know, the sign of real intimacy is just like comfort, the ability to wear an oversized chambray button down shirt or uh, an oversized faded purple polo (sighs) as you're just lounging about in your motel, Mm -hmm. speculating about the truth and whether or not it's out there. Mm -hmm. So in slot number one, we've got so far series mainstays, Mulder (laughs) and Scully. I know it's not it's my like, crystal ball segment, but my crystal ball says they're going to be in this bin every episode. So. <laughs> Fair. It's lot number two. My goodness. Find someone who gets as excited about you as Mulder gets about military aircraft that was built using UFO technology. The tension, it crackles. It does. He <laughs> walked 10 miles. He would walk 10 miles. It's like that song. And I would walk 10 yes. miles to find the UFO. And I would yes. walk 10 miles more. But to be the man who... Okay. Precisely. Okay. In slot number three, we've got a couple who've been keep. They found a way to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, they love to spend time together in a field with some tunes... Watching military aircraft built with UFO technology uh, swizzle about together and possibly smoke weed and have sex. It's Emil and Zoe. Hell yeah. Remember that time the bombs went off? <laughs> what? <laughs> and it's not number four. Sometimes you come across a love that is so 
intense. It features such uh, magnetic attraction, but also defies your understanding at the same time. Mm -hmm. You know how it is. Uh, when two Tinkerbell UFOs get together and swirl about in the night sky. Yep. Defying all expectations, including gravity, with their love. Indeed. These are your noms. We'd love to know how you feel. Please make your voice heard in our democracy. <laughs> Find the STA poll for this episode live on our Twitter at BufferingCast. And cast your vote. Well, we made our pilot junior, Jenny. Do you think we reestablished <gasps> the premise? <laughs> <laughs> you know, mm. I would say <laughs> that we have. Great. I have to say, I'm still into the show. So good news for me. Uh, I still like it. I'm still ready for the next yeah. one. I've heard rumor that the next one is scary. So I'm... The next episode is scary. Buckle your safety belt. I'm excited. I want to be scared. Okay, so bring it, X-Files. X-Files will deliver what you're asking for. Do not worry. Great. All right. The status of this X-File is closed without closure. <laughs> oh, that's like, you didn't say it last time, but that's also the status of the first X-File. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Jenny Owen Youngs. Get out of here. And uh, I know. <laughs> and when I'm not watching The X-Files or Buffy, I'm usually making music. Wow. In fact, this very day, I have a new song out. <gasps> it's a piece of instrumental music <gasps> from a forthcoming instrumental album. What? I know. Wow. Uh, the song is called Sunrise Mountain. And I actually worked on this and every song on the, the whole dang record with Friend of the Pod and our editor, John Mark Nelson. Oh, one of the best in the biz, as they say. One of the best in the biz. <laughs> that song is live on streaming services today. You can find it on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you get your digital music. You can also give me a shout on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok at Jenny Owen Youngs. I might give you a shout uh on social media jenny but i could yes. will, I, I can actually promise you that i will listen to sunrise mountain so um yay yeah i'm gonna do it i haven't done it yet but i have a, my crystal ball says i'm probably gonna like it my name is Kristen russo and if you want to find me on social media you can do that i am not technically on tiktok yet um but i'm on twitter and instagram at Kristen nolene that's k-r-i-s-t-i-n-n-o-e-l-i-n-e you can use that spelling to visit me on my website as well where you can learn about the work that i do when i'm not watching the x-files or buffy i have done work with LGBTQ communities for the last 15 years. And right now I'm doing a lot of speaking engagements at workplaces. If you work at a place uh, and want to bring in somebody <laughs> to speak about either, you know, being very cool to LGBTQ folks in your workplace or speaking about parenting and parenting LGBTQ plus kids, uh, I might be your girl. So come find me if it is of interest and otherwise, you know, follow me on socials and find out what my cats are doing. Also a good time. Buffering a rewatch adventure. That is the basket in which we keep all of our podcasts. <laughs> the X-Files, Buffering the Vampire Slayer, Doom Angel on coming. Top, Doom 
Homecoming uh, is on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at BufferingCast. Or you can drop us an email at hello at BufferingCast.com. You can support us if you like us uh, by leaving an iTunes review. You can go to our store and check out some of our merch. We've got just an arsenal of uh, Buffy-related merch and a growing number of X-Files-related merchandise items. We've got screen-printed posters. We've got an enamel pin that is an unidentified flying object. It's weird because I guess it is identified in that it is an unidentified flying object, but... (laughs) Uh, and, uh, oh no a paradox <laughs> a t-shirt that has our logo on it you can of course also support our work on patreon patreon.com slash buffering cast all of that information is found on our website bufferingcast.com. and jenny you happen to be married to the individual who made our website look so freaking awesome it is brand new it's redesigned by jess abbott uh, and you should check that out because it looks so nice. Thanks, Jess. The website got a glow up. It looks great. <laughs> it looks great. Thank you, Jess. Hell yeah. Hey, this episode was produced by Kristen Russo, Jenny Owen Youngs, and Latoya Ferguson with support from our consultant, Mackenzie McDade. It was edited by John Mark Nelson. And uh, till next time, the pod, pod is out, out there. there. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to season one, we are thrilled to announce the launch of season two. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you, and let's make season two even more memorable together.